need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Ooh, Warrior Women, today is a juicy conversation about what life looks like when you're in total alignment. My guest today is an energy worker, an innovator. She ignites people's passion and purpose and supports creatives and change makers. But she believes that embracing fierce grace is the key to success. Can you actually handle getting what you say you want? Can you handle it? Can you receive all the things that you're wanting? Or do you want to deny yourself? even the simplest pleasure. That's what we're talking about today. Abundance and receivership are intrinsically linked. Can you receive? Fierce grace. That's what we're talking about today. Warrior women, reach out to me. Let me know what you think of this episode. I'm so grateful that you're listening. We are way over 100 episodes. I never thought I'd get this far. I thought it would just be me and my mom listening, but apparently there's 150,000 of you listening. I am so choked up by that. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for being with me, my warrior women. Okay, let's get into it. But first, being an entrepreneur can be lonely. That's why I joined the Bra Network. That's the Business Relationships Alliance. Just like a good bra, the Bra Network lifts, gathers, and connects you to other like-minded entrepreneurial women with the knowledge that when we work together, we rise together. For me, the Bra Network provides the community, mentorship, collaboration, and empowerment I was looking for. From business, marketing, and finance courses to curated events to weekly Zoom meetups, the Bra Network works to advance women across the country. If you haven't joined, now's the time. Use your special code, WARRIOR, for your discount. And join today at bra-network.com. That's bra-network.com. All right, everybody. Today on the show, Ray Chow. Ray is a thought leader, a convener, a healer, and an artist with 15 years of experience in convening, 
experience, design, and purpose-based innovation with organizations ranging from NASA and Intel to Stanford and the White House. As the founder of The Feast, she has hosted over eight major conferences, over 600 dinners around the world, and a variety of projects that activate purpose and fulfillment for a community of thousands of innovators, creatives, and change makers. She currently convenes artists, funders, healers, and producers to create transformative experiences that shift worldview and behaviors for personal actualization and collective good through myth, narrative, and immersive performance with the fund of transformative experience. She is passionate about empowering people to realize their wholeness, thereby creating the world we want. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we met like long ago, like almost like in the COVID times. Yes. I swear, I think we were talking and you were on the subway. I was on a boat, actually. You were on a boat. Very, very, very distinctly. Okay, that was very, that was more exciting than a subway. Okay, so you were on yeah. a boat. Where were you going? I was on a boat in New York. I was on a ferry. <laughs> okay, so we chatted then, and even then, I was like, "Oh, I have to have her on my podcast." And then, whatever, life happened. All the things happened, and now here we are. So I'm yeah. glad you're here. Yes. I'm excited to get to know you better because I thought you were really interesting, and I never forgot you. So, likewise, tell me about your life. I mean, first of all, just your whole introduction of being a convener, we're going to have to go in. I need to even know what that means. So we're going to go into that. But before we even go into that, let's tell me about your life growing up. Is there anything that would kind of point to like a lot of the women I interview, they'll be like, I'll ask them, is there anything that would point to like where you are now from your childhood? And they're like, actually, strangely, yes. You know, like, and they will tell me. So is there anything in your life growing up that would point to how the path you're on now? Yeah, there definitely was. Although, you know, it's so funny looking back on your life, you start to see how the pieces fit together. But when you're living it and you're like, why is this happening? So when I was young, a couple of things that will come together and make sense later. But so I was always actually very intuitively connected when I was younger, even though I didn't really realize it. Like I could like sort of feel things in the room. I was super, I was like a very sensitive kid, you know, like I, I felt like I could like control the wind and was just very tapped into energy, even at a very young age, even though I didn't know that's kind of what was going on. Fast forward several years later, I'm an energy healer, go figure. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so, so that was definitely something, you know, it was always, always very like spiritually oriented, even as a kid and always wanted to save the world. Like I loved Captain Planet and, you know, animal fact books, loved the environment, was like pushing my parents to recycle even at the age of like six or seven or something like that. And it's no surprise that I ended up working on like social impact later in life. And then I've always loved people. There's this story that my dad likes to tell about, you know, me being at the pool around like five or six and, you know, walking up to someone and starting to talk to them. And he was like, do you know those people? And I was like, no. (laughs) I think that's carried through my life of just being like loving people and being super curious about people and completely unafraid to approach anyone and invite them to dinner pretty much. (laughs) And you've had a lot of dinners. We talk about overcoming things, right? A lot on this podcast, like things we've had to overcome to kind of be on the path to who we are. And it's so funny to read this because I feel like this is the opposite of the person who's sitting with me. So it's so funny to ask this question to you, but you said you had to overcome overworking and the need to save everyone as you journeyed on your career path. So tell me about 
old Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was overworking herself because you could not be a more chill person. If I'm, <laughs> so I'm sitting with I, well, I've done the work, right? This yes, is what... No, I mean, so, you know, I lived in New York for 10 years and also lived in LA. And as you know, you know, big cities, you just, you want to do everything. And, you know, in my early days, and I still do, I want to change the world, right? But in my early days, you know, living in New York, I was going to all the things, wanting to meet all the people, wanting to, you know, I started this really big conference where we brought together, you know, like everyone from like the CEO of MTV to, you know, like the Mars JPL Rover team. It was like everyone I could possibly get my hands on to come together to, to make social impact and change. You know, I was, I was bringing together everyone all around the world and it was super powerful, super inspiring, but very New York, right? <laughs> I was burning the candle at both ends, doing the New York thing, you know, like waking up at five, going for a run down the West side highway, working till like 10 or 11 and like doing it all over again the next day. And, you know, I think what I realized was I was running myself into the ground and not really having the depth of relationship or self-care, you know, and just ability to live life. Like, I mean, I had a lot of amazing experiences traveling all over the place, but again, I didn't have, I didn't have any time for myself. And what I realized was, you know, and I think a lot of people who are ambitious, but also a lot of people who are trying to create social impact kind of suffer from this, you know, like martyr dumb where it's like, you know, like everything at the expense of, you know, like achieving success at the expense yeah. of our lives, right? And our health and yeah. our bodies and success with death. Exactly. Right. Just yeah. you, you kill yourself. You're gonna be it's successful a sign of death. Dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so so yeah, it took me a while to well it it took me a very transformative and you know often this happens, right? You get sick or someone in your family gets sick and you get this wake up call that's like whoa, what am I really doing? What am I really prioritizing? And for me, that was, you know, my, my dad, he's technically my stepdad, but he's like, my dad, you know, got really sick. Yeah. And, you know, that was my wake up call of like, wow, I need to focus on my relationships. You know, I need to focus on the most important things in life, which might not be trying to save the world, but actually, you know, being with the people that I care about in my life and finding that balance. And so that, that led me on a healing journey to really understand those deeper motivations that drive us towards that overwork, right? Those deeper beliefs of what I'm responsible for, what I have to do in order to be loved or cared for, you know, these deeper psychological beliefs that we develop often very early on in childhood that sort of subconsciously drive so much of our behavior started to sit out, un- unravel those, if you will. And so now I'm super chill, but <laughs> back in the day, you back in the day man, um, classic New Yorker. Yeah, classic New Yorker. So you're the founder of The Feast. So what is this concept of The Feast, like bringing all these people together? Together for world change. And why did you want to manifest that at the time you did? The core idea behind the feast has always been this idea that, you know, each and every person has an extraordinary abundance of gifts, right? 
perspectives, life experience, gifts and skills. And that when we share that with each other in service of, you know, like something that's bigger than ourselves, we have a feast. We have like this abundance of, you know, goodness. Right. And so originally started the conference and sort of series of gatherings as a way for people to share their particular perspectives, what was happening within their fields, what they were creating and how that could be applied towards, you know, health or the future of education or, you know, preserving the environment. And so that's how the feast started. And it ended up, you know, it grew over time. And these days, it's much more focused on this idea of how do we share that with each other and support of each other's fulfillment, right? So again, it's deepened as I've deepened into this deeper question of like, what do we really want? And how do we support each other with all the you know myriad gifts that we have towards living lives that are actually more fulfilling and meaningful? Yeah, that's yeah. it's a cool concept to bring people together that maybe would never work together, right? Like the yeah. NASA guy with the head of MTV. I mean, it's even yeah. though the NASA on the la- guy landing on the moon is MTV. That's their right. symbol. <laughs> but, uh, I doubt that they're regularly on the phone. Like, hey guys from NASA, it's NASA. Right. We wanted to just ask you how you guys are doing. So I yeah. like the idea of bringing different thought leaders from such mm-hmm. different spaces together because that's yeah. such an interesting conversation because such a wealth of experience, but in yeah. different such different zones. Yeah, totally. And then you add people getting people together over dinner and everyone's happy, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, everyone loves food and, yeah, yeah. and breaking bread together is intimate. I mean, yeah. breaking bread together, having dinner together is an intimate thing. Like, you know, you think about people you go out to dinner with, you know, you go out to dinner with a lot of people, but yeah. who would you have in your house? Yeah. To exactly. your house for dinner. That's a whole other thing to like sit down for dinner, you know, like not yeah. at, you know, at an event that you're planning like that. That's a big, that's a big deal. So your father, when he got sick, it led you to a lot of the energy work mm-hmm. that you do now. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about the deepening of that through through that experience? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so let's see. Let's go back to 2013. I was running the feast at the time, and and pretty suddenly, out of nowhere, you know, my sort of had this medical emergency that landed me in the hospital with my dad for a while. The energy work was completely by the universe's design, or I don't know what you want to say, but there ended up being a Reiki practitioner at the hospital who trained me at the hospital. So I ended up learning all three levels of Reiki in the hospital with my father. And that's what really set off this very transformative phase of my life. I was never looking for energy work. I actually like almost didn't even really believe in it at the time. Again, like super jaded New Yorker. But over the course of time, I really started to see, you know, just how powerful it was. I mean, it really shifted the direction of my life and work to be more in alignment with, you know, I feel like we all have these, our higher selves and those higher selves are, you know, more connected with our authentic truth and again, what we really want to be doing and how we want to be serving in the world. And this energy work just sort of started slowly shifting things, you know, away from that grind and that hustle (laughs) to a more aligned and holistic way of doing and being and living and working. And I just ended up having like, you know, lineage after lineage of energy work kind of come into my life, not again, not because I was looking for it, but people would just say, Hey, you should check out this thing. And then I'd 
the teacher would come and stay at my house. And, and so I ended up learning four different energy lineages that have just completely turned, transformed my life. And it's been really beautiful seeing that I'm still working towards the same mission, right? Of like really helping people live their fullest expression in this life, but in an even deeper way. Whereas before it was purely, you know, like let's change the world and have impact, you know, social impact. Yeah. And now it's a deeper sort of spiritual uh, as well, right? Like who are you and why are you here? And, you know, what do you want? And, and how can that also be beautiful and transformative for the world and the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. So explain like, what are the three levels of Reiki for the, first of all, what is Reiki for people? Yeah. Hey, what are you talking about, Ray? I'm so Um, steeped in this world. What are the three levels and what do you mean by lineages? Because I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So, so there's so many different types of energy work, right? People may have heard of like Qigong or yeah, Reiki is a pretty popular one and they're all different, right? Some people have heard of, you know, like medicine work and journeys and things like that. So Reiki is based in enlightenment. So, you know, it's an enlightenment based energy work that really the founder wanted to know how Jesus and Buddha were able to heal with their hands. And that was the thing that set off the founder of Reiki to discover Reiki, which is really just the energy of oneness, right? Of like that oneness consciousness of the universe. It comes through the practitioner, through their hands, and really just works to balance and heal and bring the person who's receiving it again, in into relationship with that higher version of themselves, which is enlightened, which is whole, right? And so Reiki is just one type of energy work that is, you know, connected with this oneness idea. And there are three sort of levels of it. One, the first level really kind of works with the physical body. And so, so bringing this energy into like the physical, the second is the emotional body, right? Like the place where we store all of our beliefs and, you know, subconscious, you know, frustrations, or that's that juicy stuff that might want to be worked out. (laughs) And then the third is a spiritual. So, you know, like our connection with the sort of more spiritual realm. So, so that's Reiki. And that's one, when I say lineage, you know, it's one, one way of practicing energy work that's been developed over, you know, generations. And so there are many different lineages, right? There are lineages that come from India or that come from Asia or that come from South America. So any lineage is basically like the ancestry or the, the back background of practice. So you could say, you know, Shaolin is a lineage of Kung Fu, like one type or strain of Kung Fu that you could practice. So yeah. Dang. I never heard of that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to look more into this. It's very, I love the sound of this. I think the thing to know about it is just that everyone's connected with lineages through all of our ancestors to healing practices, right? Like, you know, all of our past generations have been connected in some way to healing. And so we're all connected to our own practices and practices that our families have done before. Yeah. And I've heard of ancestral healing. Mm -hmm. Sure. This is sort of along those lines too, is, you know, a lot of people feel like they have certain things they can't overcome and then they Mm -hmm. have an ancestral healing and realize like, oh, through over time, through generations, not even maybe in my current generation, there were some things happening that kind right. of came through, which mm-hmm. gave me, you know, the emotionality or the feelings or the, yeah, uh, you know, the problem, I think, yeah. or the perception yeah. uh, that I'm having. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Tell me when you say you're a convener, what does that mean? Because you use that twice in your yeah. Life. I've never even had that or anyone use that at all in ever okay. in any sentence that I know. So yeah. tell me what that means. Yeah. So a convener is basically somebody who brings people together. So I would say you're probably a convener. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, for some reason, I naturally, I naturally see the connections between people and ideas and possibilities. And so I'm a gatherer, right? Like I love to create different spaces where people can come together to explore what might be possible between them, whether it's a relationship or a place where we could create a project together that might have a positive impact on the world or, you know, a whole bunch of people that need to meet each other because they're all working in the same domain. So I just... I bring people together and I host all sorts of different types of space and design those spaces so that people can have an understanding of, you know, why they're there and what the possibility is. It's like, you know, especially during the pandemic, I think we've all been on Zoom forever. And, you know, you always sit in those meetings where you're like, why am I here? You know, (laughs) so my job is often why I'm here. Yeah, exactly. To like create more interesting spaces that allow people to, to dive deeper into that more authentic sharing of who they are and to see, you know, what the connections are that I'm seeing often. Okay. Well then I am definitely a convener because that's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) The whole premise behind my mastermind groups is that premise, right? That I'm bringing women together who I think need to either work together or learn from each other or grow together. So I bring them in the room and a lot of times they would have never, you know, met this woman ever. Uh, It's so fun for me to see the magic that happens in that room. I've seen women create uh, businesses that they've been sitting on for 15 years in two weeks. I've seen women who were afraid to use their voice, (laughs) basically realizing that they're actually supposed to be using their voice like all the time and learn how. So I've seen so many things come from that. And so I'm sure you've had so many amazing experiences where you've almost like captured lightning in a bottle. This is very on the spot, but I had to think of a moment where you brought some people together and you really created that lightning in the bottle and you saw that kind of happen before you. Does anything pop into your mind? Like if I asked a question? Oh man. I mean, so, so I just want to note that, yeah, like the power of bringing people together, like you mentioned, like in your women's masterminds, it's like, that's that feast concept, right? Where it's like, there's a multiplier effect. And then all of a sudden there's this abundance because, you know, you just, sometimes all you need is like two people to share. And then all of a sudden these sparks start flying and emerging. And so that's kind of like, you know, that again, going back to that idea of abundance, like that's what the feast is about. And you know, I think a moment for me where I really felt that was I hosted a little retreat in Bali at one point, and it was just this beautiful gathering of change makers and artists and, you know, healers. And we all brought, like, I, I really love spaces where I can also invite people to bring experiences themselves. So I'm not the only one, you know, providing. Again, everyone has this abundance of, you know, 
magic and gifts. And so we created this space where people got to, you know, share and hold different sessions in different ways. And I remember this really beautiful experience where the women ended up like holding space for the men um, in a particular way where we, you know, they just got to be held by this like divine feminine energy. And then what happened was, you know, like the men ended up showing up and holding space for the women and basically just like apologizing for all of the toxic masculinity, like in the world and that they might've been a part of. And there was just such a depth created by this like very vulnerable space where, you know, people have stayed in touch forever and collaborated and, you know, just really deep and sweet connections that have lasted forever and, and resulted in, you know, like all sorts of magical like ventures and things like that. But That's I mean, incredible. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful places and people sharing their gifts, I think are the sweet spot for that's, me. Yeah. That's, that sounds like heaven. So how, yeah. what are you, what's kind of, what are you working on next? What are you having that people can get it kind of work with you or get involved with that you're doing? Yeah. So these days it's been interesting. My, my energy work path and my innovator path have kind of merged. What's been coming through the energy work is really just this igniting of purpose and passion and people's, you know, like dharma in this world and really supporting creatives and change makers and entrepreneurs and innovators in doing what they're here to do in the world, but doing it from that place of alignment, right? So instead of doing it from that place of struggle and burnout and, you know, really like denying the real full power and joy of one's life. <laughs> this energy work is supporting people in doing it from a place of alignment where it's like, you know, you're getting what you actually want, right? Instead of this idea of what you need to do or how things need to be. And so I've started doing energy work specifically people who are, you know, launching something new or exploring what's next for them to bring that into the world in a more whole and aligned way. So that's been been super awesome and to see like, you know, people really lighting up, you know, really having a clearer sense of who they are in relationship with what they're doing and what they want. And also seeing the work that they're doing come into the world with just more ease and grace, you know, I mean, when you're birthing something like you, it's never easy, right? But there can be more fluidity and synchronicity. So that's what I'm working on now and designing all different types of experiences with artists and creators too, that are powerful and transformative around everything from relationship to connection with the earth to, you know, shifting dynamics of power between, you know, empowering the feminine. So also like creating all these transformative spaces for people to, to drop into something deeper. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, Ray, we're on to the speed round. It's sexy time okay. to really go crazy. Okay. okay. All right, here we go. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? I think what it means to be a warrior woman is embracing fierce grace and Ooh! yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fierce grace. The abundance of receiving really everything you could possibly want or imagine. Like, can your body actually handle that? You just offered me a beautiful mic drop. That was gorgeous. Say that, again. <laughs> Say that all again. Fierce grace. And what does that mean? Yeah. Fierce grace, the capacity to really embody and receive exactly what you want. Like, can you actually handle it? Yeah. 
it's so funny. I'm I've been talking uh lately with the women I coach about celebrating ease. Yeah. Because all we do is celebrate hard work. Yeah. Like, oh, it was she busted her ass. Let's celebrate her. She worked yeah. so hard, 700 hours, and she but she killed herself. So let's celebrate her, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to be celebrating ease. When things yeah. are coming to you easy, totally. when you're making it easy on yourself, that means you're in alignment mm-hmm. with all the things that you're supposed to be receiving and doing. Mm-hmm. And you're just at this kind of balance where you feel like there is a certain flow to your life. Yeah. So we should be celebrating that. That yes. is something to be celebrating and, ease and joy and pleasure. Yes. Right. Like with ease and like, are you enjoying what you're doing? Like, is it giving you that like juiciness of life? Then yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But if you're denying yourself, if you're pushing yourself, if you're destroying yourself, yeah. Like that is not something to celebrate. Right. Yes. But that is, you know, how it's been. And we are undoing that. We're undoing that paradigm, which I love. Yeah. What is a mantra or quote you live by? Oh, mantra or quote that I live by. The times are urgent. Go slowly. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's a, go slowly. That, tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, that's a new one that I've been really embracing lately, especially in a year that's had so much happening. And, you know, man, everything from like Iran to like the war to the environment. I think there's also to the point that we we're talking about earlier, there's this feeling of like needing to do more, you know? Yes. And I think there's something to this feeling of, yes, things are urgent. And so be more present you know, notice more like what's really happening and coming up within you and what are you feeling and have the spaciousness to really know what wants to happen next. What really is there for you to do versus what's there for you to feel and be with in a different way. So, yeah. I love that. I always say slowing down speeds everything you want up. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> you have yeah. to slow down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But everyone's like, no, I'm going to speed it up so I can get it all. I'm like, no, you have to slow down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> exactly. What makes you feel unstoppable? What makes me feel unstoppable? Man, I mean, outside of some like good music blasted really loud and <laughs> dancing around in my hey, room. Hey, that counts. I know. I mean, it's part of the energy work that I do. There's this kund- Kundalini awakening is a part of it and I do it to music. And there's this energy that can come through that music and that movement and that spiritual energy where, you know, have you ever felt like you're doing so much or there's like all this power coming through you, but you're not the actual one doing it. Like that, those are the moments I think where I feel like really unstoppable, where it's like, wow, there's a force bigger than me coming through me that is way more powerful than I could ever be. And when that is coming through, and it is often when I'm dancing or feeling that sort of like ecstatic energy, it's like, you know, I'm connected with everything and anything is possible. 
It's funny when we were younger, right? We really vibe with music and concerts and even, you know, young kids really love music. But also like when we were in high school, like music was like everything. I would like write down the lyrics to songs, Ray. And I would be like, I would be like writing down the lyrics to Prince. Sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes (laughs) it feels so bad. And sometimes I wish that life was never ending. And I would, I mean, I remember these lyrics and I used to sit and spin out on those lyrics and just get in there and feel those lyrics and that is exactly what we need to be doing now it's like yeah you I think women have sort of like oh we're like I'm too old for that or like music's for like dancing like in a club or like in a you know yeah no let yourself have the music like music is so transformative in terms of like if you are just in a low level just you know place where you're just you know feeling confusion or anything yeah yeah Putting on some music that you really connect to is such an amazing way to just come out of that, right? And yeah. to feel like, oh, it's not just me, right? There's a yeah. whole world out there that is conspiring for my good and greatness. Yes. And yeah. let me feel that. Let me not be yeah. like, I'm one person and I can't do anything and I'm trapped and stuck. It's like, no, yeah. feel the oneness, feel the bigness, right? Yeah. Of how big yeah. the universe is and that you're just a small piece and that everything's conspiring <laughs> in your favor. That's yeah. I feel like what music does. Yeah. And let your, and move your, let your body move, right. And let yourself feel it's like such a, it's such a capacity that women have. And yet there's so much in our society that says like, don't move that way, or it has to look good or what, you know, it's like, just let yourself feel it, you know, just let yourself dance in your room with no one watching so that you can let that energy move through your body. Cause our body is the thing that, you know, it's our vehicle for experiencing that oneness, that connection connection, that love, that, that ecstatic feeling of bliss. And like, that's the space where all of what we want, right. Gets generated and gets created that feeling of gratitude. And it's like, how much more do you feel it in your body when you're like jumping around and, you know, there's all this research on like, you know, even hero poses, just holding your hands up above your head, like increases your confidence and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's because your body is like a really, you know, it's not just your brain, you know, like, move and feel again, like that joy and that pleasure, the whole pleasure thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the key to women, like really tapping into themselves, it's like, we've like shut down that we were like, we just no pleasure for us. Everything's work. Everything's a to-do list, you know, no pleasure. They're not allowed, you know? Yeah. And then they are, we're so desperate for pleasure. We find it in a giant bottle of wine. Right. Now we're going to have some fun. What does that include? Drinking, which then the next day you get to feel like shit about. So it's so funny. Like we have just really closed us off ourselves off from that. And I think it's so important to know that you can have pleasure in your day to day that you don't have to like save it up for, I'm going to have it on Friday (laughs) at 6 PM. You know, like, it's like, no, (laughs) let yourself have it. You know? Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? So I mean, there's all sorts of work things that I'm proud of, but the thing that comes up is, you know how like when you go home for the holidays and you have like fights with your family or that like challenges with your mom or whatever, really reconnecting with my mom. Like I think I had so much frustration for all sorts of reasons, you know, like life beliefs and whatever, but in the process of my own healing journey, I've really made a really conscious effort to look at the beliefs that I've held, especially around my mom and to really 
heal and resolve those so that I can be in good relationship with her. And now that she's older, I feel really proud to be able to be with her and to not feel the frustration or the, you know, whatever anger of like, oh, you don't see me or you don't get me or whatever. And just see her as, you know, this beautiful, super, I mean, my mom is amazing too, like the super powerful woman who had her own life, her own experiences, her own, you know, traumas and struggles. And like, she did the very best she could. And she did an amazing job for me. And like, there's nothing that I hold against her, you know, like, I think that's, that's something that I'm pretty proud of. That's incredible. I've reconnected with my mom through my healing and stuff too. So it's wild to hear you say that. What do you think your limiting beliefs were around your mom? Like, what do you think it was that was sort of preventing you from, because I know what you mean. It was, I almost felt like there was this barrier. It wasn't always like this. It was, some people have had that forever. Like, oh, always being bickering with their moms. I feel like I had, didn't have that so much. It was sort of later that we just, I, there was just this separation and I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then through my own healing and my own journey and realizing like exactly like what you're saying, yeah. I was putting all these things on her, like yeah. making her responsible for a lot of the things that I wanted or I did, thought I didn't get. Right. Right. And blaming her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, ultimately the core belief goes down to, you know, I'm a pretty weird person. <laughs> <laughs> in the best possible way. In the in a great way, but like, you know, I'm not a in the box kind of person, right? Like I'm not the kind of person who studies and remembers things and does things by the books. Like I'm a creative, I'm an innovator. I feel things and I pursue things that don't exist yet, right? And so that is a if she, but she was very rigid regimented and like, you know, because she had to do that to get out of poverty. (laughs) And so, you know, growing up uh, there, I think she didn't really recognize because it's hard to recognize the gifts and capacities of your child if they're very different from you. Right. And so I think growing up, there really wasn't a recognition of, of how awesome (laughs) my gifts are. And there wasn't really, you know, an acknowledgement that like, Hey, that's a totally valid way to do things. And it's completely different than what she knows. And, you know, for the most part, she has no idea how it works or doesn't understand it at all, you know, but, and so I think there was just that challenge of like not being seen for how I am and being kind of told that in order to succeed, you have to do this, or you have to be this way, which was completely opposite to how I am. And so I think there was just a lot of butting up against that, you know, growing up of, you know, what ultimately was her care for me, right? Like wanting to meet, wanting to make sure I had security and was doing things in a good way. And, you know, that's what I realize now is like, oh, wow, that's just love, right? It's just love that only knows this one way to express itself because that's been her experience. And so me getting to really heal and be with the parts of me that are like, oh yeah, I am totally valid. How I do things is totally valid and special and precious. And like no one else can do it the way that I do it. Like I've been able to rebuild that relationship and just see where, you know, this is just her perspective because this is her worldview and she can't see out of it. And that's okay. Cause I don't need her to, cause I can just, I can know that for myself, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of women feel like they wanted to be seen by their mothers, but they don't understand exactly like what you're saying. You know, you're so spot on. They, 
that they don't always have the experience or perspective to even understand what they're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah. You know, yeah. like you're just like, what is this crazy stuff? Like, I don't even know what this kid's doing. Like you don't even yeah. have the worldview that would be, would say, oh, this is so interesting. Oh, look at this. You know what she's doing? Like, you know, you, right. cause you don't know what it is, you yeah. know? So instead it's just like, of course they're not seeing you because they don't even know what they're seeing. They don't know what exactly. that is. Exactly. So, yeah sense, right? But it, it yeah. definitely feel that as a child. But you know, it's because we were, you and I were mm-hmm. unseen, that we are invested in other people being seen. Right. And maybe the journey for both of us started out as see me. Hey, I'm right. here, everyone. Does anyone see me? Hi. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then it transforms into, oh, this is like a collective healing that needs to take place where people are not feeling like they're being seen. And I yeah. want people to see each other. So I'm going to create these spaces, right? Where people can see each other and can be with each other and have true connection and share their gifts and see and be seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ultimately it creates more compassion. I think when you start to realize that, because it's like, oh, my mom didn't get that either. And that's where that myopicness came from. She had to go through an existence where she wasn't seen for how she ultimately is. And so because of that fear, because of that insecurity, she had to close down. And that's why she has the blinders. It's not because she doesn't want to offer that to me. It's because she didn't get it herself. And that's when that compassion is able to flow through, right? And that relationship is able to be restored. Is like, oh, this isn't her fault. This is actually just something that she had to suffer through. And so... It's not about me. It's actually about her. And how can I support, you know, her even in this point in life and just have that love and care because she didn't get it either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It totally builds more compassion, especially when you can see your mother as a person. Yeah. That she's a woman having her experience and, you know, that it's not, you know, I had a mentor tell me, oh, you know, your parents gave you the max of what they had. Like your parents aren't over here withholding. It's right. they're giving you the max of what they have. And that was that really yeah. hit home to me because yeah. there is this feeling, oh, you're just not giving me it. Right. You're not giving me what I want. And that is not it. Right. It is not that they're not giving you what you want. It's that they don't have it to give yeah. or even know mm-hmm. how. So right. knowing that your parents gave you the max of what they were capable of is freeing. Yeah. It really is. Totally. I love that we've turned this speed round into a whole level, deeper level thing. Of course, only <laughs> yeah, you feel free to edit out everything we else. We can just go straight into to the this. most important part of the podcast, but I am totally. here. For, I'm here for all of it. Um, what keeps you going when you're feeling lost? Ooh, I know. what keeps me going when I'm feeling lost, I think it's friends. I actually feel so fortunate. And if anybody's listening and you don't have friends who know how to hold space for you, find some new friends. I feel very grateful and fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of other healers or spiritual practitioners or people who have their own practice or who have done their own work, right? Who, when I have struggles, I can go to them and they know how to hold space. And it's taken me a while, A, to to find that friend group, but also B, to let myself be held. Because, you know, we all have those times, right? Where we feel inadequate or it feels hard, or we just feel some emotion, frustration, you know, like anger at the world, whatever it is regardless of however enlightened you are, you know, like we we have these moments. And I think that 
having people who can reflect your highest self back to you. Yes. Uh, is such a gift. And not everyone knows how to do that, right? Like I think most of our society is like, we don't want to feel bad. Don't talk about anything bad. Everything's fine. You know, you're thinking about it too much, whatever, right? There's a propensity to diminish or make it go away or just not want to feel bad with someone. We don't really know what to do when someone else feels bad, right? But to have the gift of those friends who can shine your light back to you when you don't see it yourself, I think is the thing that keeps me going when I have those down moments. And sometimes it's really emotional, you know, like, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to hear or hard to be with what comes up as a result of it, but having someone there to witness it and hold it with me is I think the thing that helps me not have to do it by myself. Yeah. Yeah. It does make all the difference when you have somebody really who, is only invested in your highest good and can hold space for you. That's a whole new level. I call that a soulship. That's not a friendship. Mm. It's a soulship. I have a group of women who obviously are regular listeners, but more than that, they're my soulship girlfriends. And I, you know, it, it, you're right. It consists of healers and all these different women who are in the work. And it's such a different level of friendship. It's just, you know, I called, I, I call on them. You know, I was at a speaking gig re- recently and I got zero hours of sleep. Not, I went, you know, when people say like, oh, I didn't really sleep. I'm talking zero. I just, Whoa. I don't know if I was like really amped or what it was. I just couldn't sleep. Yeah. And I sort of left them a Marco Polo and I was like, oh my God, I've had like zero hours of sleep. And the Marco Polos coming back were like, oh, you don't even need sleep. <laughs> you, you of all people don't even need an hour of sleep. And it just, they're like, the way they were just like embracing, like, and just saying, oh, you're going to kill it. You don't have to even, you know, offering, of course, empathy and saying, I'm so sorry you didn't get sleep. I know that's not yeah. how you want to come into this, but yeah. you don't need it. <laughs> right, right. Totally. So buoyed up by that, you know, those. so it's so nice to have friends that are just, you know, unwavering, fiercely yeah. supporting you. So it's yeah. Really- well, because they can see you, right? And they know the true you. Yes. So like when you're cycling in your mind of like, I'm tired, I can't, you know, they're like, they can see that's all BS, you know, and be like, no, no, no. (laughs) Like, I I know who you really are, you know, and help you find your way back to center. Absolutely. Okay. Final question. What is exciting you the most right now? Oh man. What's exciting me the most right now is actually art. I feel like, so, so art and experience. So that's, that relates to this new fund that I'm working on, right? Is that like, I feel like we're shifting from an age of content that's one directional to a more participatory, co-creative existence and reality, right? One where we're not just being told things or talked at, where we can have a direct experience you know, a deeper connection or insight or, you know, connection with the divine. And so I feel like I'm getting the privilege these days to, again, bring together artists and healers and experienced designers to create these spaces where, you know, we get to play with 
who we are, who we think we are. We get to be in, in ritual spaces where we get to, you know, reimagine, you know, our relationship with the environment and the ecosystem or, you know, our spirit animals or whatever it is. But I think the most inspiring thing about that is that capacity to be at the seat and center of like our own direct experience and transforming, you know, like our relationship with our world Mm -hmm. and doing that through creativity and expression and that co-creation, right? Again, I'm not just sitting and listening to a course, right? I'm getting to participate or act or be a part of creating, you know, an art piece or an interaction with a performer or friends in a circle, right? But like, I'm getting to define who I am and act it out and, you know, really be a part participant in it. I think it's sort of early days, but I'm seeing it pop up all over the place. And, you know, women's groups and women's circles, I think are an example of that, right? Where it's like, we're going to come together and we're going to redefine who we are and how we are in relationship with each other. That's something that's you know, again, we've been talked at for so long. It's been the model for our schools, for our media, even for entertainment. And I think there's something shifting in us taking back power to say, you know, like, no, I'm the priestess here. I have a community that I can hold space for. I can be a convener. I can be, you know, facilitator of really deep, authentic connection. And I think women, especially all over, are starting to realize that and holding moon circles and holding like all these different spaces. And that feels super exciting to me to like take the power back. Yeah, it does feel like that. I'm thinking of my friend Tammy uh, Lip, who is a healer, and my friend Farrell Moore, who's also a healer. And they have all these different moon circles and healing circles. And it just feels so good. Yeah. Actively participating with these women. And so you're right. I love that. I love that. So that excites me too. Yeah. Ray, (laughs) this has been amazing. You're worth the wait, Ray. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Thank you, Liz. Likewise, it's been so fun. You're just the best interviewer. And I'm just really grateful to get to share. I hope this is helpful to anybody listening. And I'm just so grateful that they have you as a resource for being able to lift up voices of, you know, women doing the work and sharing their insight, I think is so powerful. So thank you for doing that. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I received that. Yeah. As one receiver to another. And I really did love having you on. I loved, I think it was a great conversation. I'm so excited to share it with everyone. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.